So I want to invite us tonight to, to shift from any type of fixing to flowing. Before I do that, I want to give a special welcome to any of you visiting us for the first time and just give a one or two minute introduction about what we do here at Love Actually. <clears throat> How many of you would say it's your average, maybe slightly above average psychological relationship group? I am so happy to hear that. <laughs> okay, so every time I say that, but it's nice to check in and know that the majority of you agree that it is not your average psychological coping skill group, because I really do aim for higher than that. <laughs> How we look at relationships here is as a path to consciousness, as a path to awakening as a path to transformation. So relationships are not just face value of what we each need or how we each perform our roles or how sensitive we are to each other's problems or anything that so often goes on in the day to day. We don't only look at that level, which is usually all that most of psychology does, but we actually go a little, a little bit deeper into what's going on metaphysically. In other words, why am I here in this relationship? What is spirit asking of me, both for myself and for the other, whoever's across from me, whether it's an employer or a child or my lover? So anytime I get reactive, anytime I go off on you, anytime I bail for days, anytime I treat you like crap, anytime I guilt you, I just got unconscious. You with me? It does not matter how justified I am. I have just gotten unconscious. And so you can see that the opportunities for awakening are rampant, <laughs> right? Now, the beautiful thing, you might say, why relationships? Because relationships have our attention. They have our focus. They have our commitment, right? Whether it's a work relationship or a family relationship or a best friend relationship, they have our commitment, do they not? Right? And for some of us, we're even committed to that kind of way of being with the grocery store clerk, committed to kindness, committed to consciousness, committed to regard, committed to opening to who I believe, what love is or consciousness or higher power or God opening to allowing that force through me into being of service. So here we don't just look at relationships as all of the day-to-day -day stuff that is important and necessary, but we go a little bit deeper and say, what is spirit doing in the bigger picture of things? What is my purpose and why am I here? And I'm not talking about cooking a meal or taking out the trash, right? I'm talking about my larger karmic purpose and what's going on in the unseen that I can join or surrender to or wait upon instead of tuning in only to my physical senses, which is how most of us navigate relationships, by what we see and by what we hear and all that circumstances and all that stuff in the physical. Are you with me? Okay. So relationships as a path to consciousness, as a path to transforming me out of unconsciousness. Now, the fascinating thing is, if you will hold your relationships like that, even just 5% more than you do now, where does that put the onus of responsibility? Me, right? And where does your power reside? Me, 
right? Or however you define your higher power and all of that. So at first, this seems like, wait a minute, but he and she and this and that, and I hear you. There are crappy things that go on, no doubt about it. But when I shift the focus to how can I expand my consciousness? How can I expand and extend my purpose? How can I open up even more to let love and God and life flow through me? That is when you're really making a difference. That is when you're really living in your purpose. And that is when things actually become fun. Yes? All right. So if you've tuned me out already, (laughs) I'm going to challenge you to to practice your relationships as a path to consciousness 5 to 10% more than you do now which means noticing when you get angry, pissy, judgy, shut down, cut off, blame, when you do any of the stuff that when you come back to yourself, like, oh, if I would have been more grounded, I would have handled that different. You with me? If I would have had more wherewithal, if I wasn't so tired, I would have had a, a more peaceful response or whatnot. Welcome, come on in. Okay, that actually was more than a couple minutes. So <laughs> so let me move on to relational agility, shifting from fixing to flowing. Could anybody here use a little bit more relational flexibility, right? Right? I mean, this felt very juicy to me. And when I was opening up to, to this theme coming through, it was astounding how much of us have a relational stance that's rigid without knowing it. Would you, would you generally agree that in our culture, there's perhaps a more rigid relational stance than we might be aware of? Any takers? Okay. All right. So let me talk to you about what I mean by relational agility. I'm talking about here about our ability or capacity to flex and flow while still practicing truth and integrity. Flex and flow while still practicing truth and integrity. So perhaps there's an increased spaciousness about me. Perhaps I have more grace to trust the process. Perhaps I'm less reactive or I slow down a little bit. Notice I am not talking about collapsing here. Notice I am not talking about being a martyr or, or <clears throat> overacting. The ability to flex and flow while still maintaining truth and integrity, doing what needs done, saying what needs said. Can you feel that balance a little bit? Okay. What I'm also talking about here is your ability or capacity to remain rooted within despite circumstances, feelings, or others' choices. Everything out of your control. The ability to remain rooted in your center. Now, who is responsible for remaining rooted in your center? Right. Now... That does not mean things don't make us sad or angry. That does not mean we don't get boiled up and need a moment or two or three or 10 to to calm down again. This doesn't mean we are unaffected. What it means is that we have a practice of coming back to our center, of getting to our center quicker before we act. You with me? Now, it's fascinating when, and maybe you can consider your younger years, when you used to go off on someone quicker or cut off from someone quicker or judge them quicker. And when you, over time, increased your bandwidth emotionally, 
or increased permission and freedom for others to be who they are? Is there not more ability to stay in your center and let the process play out? Right? So that's the invitation here. Not that we ignore what's happening, not that we don't engage what's happening or deny what's happening, but that we increase our internal bandwidth to know the I, the higher self, if you will, the soul self in the midst of what often feels like a storm. Does this make sense? Okay. So remaining rooted within. And number three, waiting on and joining the divine in the deeper meaning of life and love and what's going on in the unseen. So many of us are fixated on what is happening, what you did to me, or what's worse, what you didn't do to me, right? All the signs and markers we have about how you are supposed to love me or show up for me in whatever role you're in. If you're an employer, you're supposed to give me a bonus or you're supposed to appreciate me. And it isn't that they aren't, it's that there's a fixation on the external and what goes on right here and what is entitled, deserved because of the role. And for me, we spend far, far too little time wondering, what am I to learn here? What am I surrender to? What am I to open to? Because the truth is, we aren't living this life. It is living us. Just consider that for a moment. If there is a life force out there running the universe, breathing your body, pumping your heart, making the sun come up, if there is not a life force living us, or if we are living this life, are you with me? If we do not invite ourselves over time to wait on and join this divine life force as we understand it through our spiritual senses, if we remain fixated on the externals and what goes on at face value, and what I can see with my eyes and my ears, I'm living my relationship one-dimensionally. That is gonna screw me, right? Because there is so much more going on. We have so much more help than we know. And there's actually an orchestration going on of you and your partner, of you and your children, of you and your work situation. There's actually an orchestration for highest good. And if we are fixated on the externals, or what we deserve, or what you're doing wrong, we will miss it. You with me? All right. So let me see if I can develop this a little bit. But I do love to bring in research, because it's wonderful that we can back up scientifically what we know to be true, because I think it helps that part of our brain that is logical and wants to know in the concrete. The beautiful thing is that big T truth will always line up in the concrete every time. So let's talk about this a little bit. Relational rigidity, and then I'll share the research with you. So much of the time we are focused on, are we gonna be hurt or getting hurt or being disregarded, disrespected? We are almost on guard for it. And we almost give people a certain amount of line to hurt us. And when you get to that end of that line, it starts getting pulled a little tighter. Are you with me, right? before we pull it a little tighter or we let it go and we're out of there. But there is this mindfulness that we can carry around about how much hurt we will tolerate. Often one of the things we focus on is are our needs being met here? 
What am I here for if my needs aren't being met? And that's often the bar or the standard. Many times we can be focused on, are we walking on eggshells or feeling trapped? Do we have the freedom and the spaciousness we need to be our spiritual self? We can so often feel held back by a partner or by a best friend or by an employer. And certainly many of the time we are evaluating participation and responsiveness of our own, of another. Did they show up this time? Did they not show up that time? Are they gonna let me down this time? Have I done enough? Well, I helped them the last five times so I can let this one go. You with me? Mm -hmm. All of these things, which are normal ways we often evaluate and participate, engage our relationships, all of them create relational rigidity. They make you stuck, they lock you in. And I'd like to crack that door a little bit tonight if I could. Here's why. <clears throat> they put us on the defense. They lock, they lock us into scarcity thinking. They cause us to overact, to manage and to change it and to, and to get in there and fix it. And we become evaluatory, we analyze, right? None of those things are juicy, empowered, life-giving, divine ways of being. Doesn't mean they don't happen. Doesn't mean we can't do them. We are human, we have feelings, but the question there is that our relational stance. Can you hear the difference? Is that how we evaluate whether we stay? If you hurt me, if my needs are met, <clears throat> right? If I'm afraid of something, if you're participating enough, or do we actually have a stance that promotes relational agility, relational fluidity? Now here's the research, and then I'll welcome your questions and comments. Research shows that if you have any of that, defensiveness, overacting, scarcity, evaluating, it creates ineffective and often counterproductive thoughts and actions. Ineffective and counterproductive. That means that if you tend to be defensive because you need to protect yourself, if you have to evaluate because you gotta keep score and know that they're in 50-50, right, or whatever, do any of that, you're actually working against yourself. That sucks. <laughs> Who would want to work against themselves in relationships? I mean, we spend so much time trying to make our relationships good, right? We analyze them, we introspect, we try again, we go again, we give the benefit of the doubt. So if there are ways that we are being counterproductive, it'd be so great to know them. <laughs> All right. If you have a stance this way, it increases judgmental attitudes and reactive behavior. It never feels good to judge, does it? Or be judged, right? <clears throat> it decreases states of resilience. You actually have less staying power. It decreases states of resilience, joy, and peace. When we are waiting, when we need to go on the defensive, evaluating whether you're meeting my needs or responding to me, right? Wondering if I'm good enough for you. Am I pleasing enough? Am I a good enough wife? Am I a good enough mom? Am I a good enough employee? All of that reduces my joy and my peace and my effectiveness. <clears throat> and <clears throat> we are actually out of alignment with our values and our power. Does anyone want to take a guess why this would be so? <clears throat> why would this be so? Huh? It's 
not the truth, right? We are, we are engaging in a delusion. Absolutely. Anybody else want to take a stab at why this would be so? We're spending so much time on all of these other physical aspects, then we're not even in the channel that we can turn around and accept the power. Did everybody hear that? If we are so focused on the physical, if we are out of alignment, which means open and receptive and acting on the guidance, or however you define that, right? How, how can we even be a positive influence? Right, if we are so focused on the physical. Anybody else? scarcity is all survival mechanism. Survival, right? So anything we do, anything at all, is infused with the consciousness we bring to it. You follow me? So I can go up to Peter and be nice as peaches, but if I think he's a fucking asshole, he is going to feel it, and I can do that with Peter. <laughs> right? But we think, we think that people don't know, right? And we, you can feel it in an instant, right? You can feel it in an instant. Absolutely. So it's really the energy that we bring to anything, the consciousness we bring, the openness we bring, the connection to higher power that we bring, that is what changes the game. None of this stuff. Doesn't mean it won't go on doesn't mean we should feel bad if we do it. We want to get better and better at catching it. We want to get better and better at realizing, oh, I just went to scarcity. Oh, I just got defensive, which puts you on counter-defensive, right? <laughs> right? So we get better and better at interrupting it. We get better at slowing it down and shaking it off. And whew, yeah, I got caught up there. And we get better at going within and getting back in alignment. And that, why did I write that? <laughs> and that comes down to, according to the research, how we deal with our inner world holds significantly more influence, significantly more power on outcome than anything external. How we deal with our inner world is infinitely more powerful than anything that you should do or should have done or I could have done. You with me? What that means is, how do we manage feelings and uncertainty? Which is up to us. How we manage feelings and uncertainty? How we cope, right? Do we have a support system? Do we have a method for moving hard feelings and losses? Do we have a method or do we just implode? Or do we explode onto everybody, right? You know, Marianne Williamson will often say, People leak all the time. <laughs> we leak, right? We do, don't we? Yes. And you know, years ago I taught yoga and there are cultures in certain yoga studios where it is not about the yoga. It's about the pose you can achieve, right? And so there would be people struggling and struggling to achieve some complicated asana and yet something would pop out, right? Right? Like they would, you know, they would hyperextend or and it, if you are forcing your body into a pose, it's not being inspired from within, from the breath and from letting your body find its shape and its space. What's really going on there, right? We leak, we pop out, and, and that's what goes on. 
the meaning and the interpretations we make, right? This is a big one. So when you're, if you're late to pick me up, I can decide you don't care and you're unreliable, or I can decide something happened for you and you had a hard day, right? And I can check in about that, obviously. But we make reactions and interpretations all the time. And lastly, how do we bring what we believe in the moment? Just want you to sit with that one for, let it marinate for a second. How do we bring, are we able to translate the love we believe in, the spirit we believe in, the grace we believe in? Are we able to translate that into the hard moments? Because I will tell you folks, intimacy with your best friends and your family and even your employers in the ways that that gets intimate, right? Around the goal or the job or the, the, the long hours and all the ways that we interact calls our best self forward in the hardest of times on purpose. It calls our best self forward in the hardest of times. It's like, who are we when the chips are down? It's easy to be great to Karosh when, how you doing on a Sunday and God bless you and peace out, right? <laughs> but what about when I've really hurt him or he's really hurt me or in a workplace? What if he just broke his word and didn't give me the raise or didn't do his piece on a job? It's like, when do I translate what I believe into that moment? And that does not mean I collapse or I take hits or I become a martyr. There, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I don't believe believe in a God without truth. You with me? Without justice, balanced with grace. So that's something to think about, how we bring what we believe into the moment, particularly when it's hardest, because that is when people transform. That is when we transform. Thoughts and questions about what I've shared so far, and then I really want to develop relational agility. The last thing about we bring what we believe in the moment. I thought I thought instantly of how how's that happen? But a quick pause. Just a quick pause of awareness. Yeah. That's all it takes. It's yeah. A, shift. I think that's a quick pause. It's a because can you say why it's a magical pause and then we'll share because with Because it shifts for me it shifts my perception of things. I, it brings me back to who I am yeah. and what's really happening. I mean, in the big picture, I'm not tied up in all the little minutia. It just kind of gives me some pause and separation from what's going on. Yes. And just gets- <clears throat> there, there can be in, in religions and spiritual groups all across the world, there can be this energy of um, not holding accountable and not speaking truth and not bringing justice. It's, it's almost like if I'm a good spiritual being, then I tolerate or then I take hits or then I lay down. And I don't think that there's much that's holy in that. There are absolutely moments when we extend grace and we understand we're all human and when there's space to make mistakes. But there are just as many moments when we call people to who they are. Are you with me? Right? And when we get bigger, not smaller, that we shine even more, that we come into our gifts even more strongly. Right, however that shows up, and it's an art, but we don't get smaller 
and 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 when we get bigger it isn't an ego thing it's like we are even of more service to light we are even more open to love we are even more open to the win-win for all involved and holding to that it, it, it is not a there's this thing that we confuse with sacrifice and hits and um, what's often abusive. Sometimes even we leak, we leak good things. Like when we're in alignment, we can't help but leak out the good that that we're in alignment with, right? And yeah. so when when your heart is stayed on God, then it's going to just exude from you and it's going to leak out and you can't help it. I love that. Mm. I love that. That is absolutely true. You just spill over right and you're happy to give it away are you not right. <laughs> oh here's 20 bucks i want you to keep it right <laughs> right on the other side give me my money or whatever it is right yeah absolutely that's beautiful yeah it's a lot where uh, someone says something that uh feels very unfair and i feel caught off guard and i don't have the justice to bring at that moment until yes. i go home yes and it, sometimes it takes like 24 hours before i even know what to how to respond to that reaction, right? Yes. And, and th at that moment, I feel like I don't want to bring any more drama into what happened, so I kind of shove it under the rug and just kind of forget about it, and then that creates some resentment. Yes. Right? So those are been difficult times. I don't have the right judgment. That sh what should I, like, I, I get stuck with what happened, and I just don't know what, what to do with it. Well, I love that you're aware of that, because how many can relate to that? In the moment, It's. I just want you to look around, right? The problem is we forget to come back to it, right? Because we can be flooded and overwhelmed and overstimulated. And I think we are so much better off to pause and open, not just to our best thinking, but to divine guidance, right? To divine timing, to, to moving at the pace of that guidance, as Wendy says, right? So the problem is that we forget to come back because often lives are too busy or we're under too much pressure or we don't make a note. Like, okay, eight hours, 24 hours, I'm gonna come back to this, right? And we're used to living lifestyles of distraction, right? So it is challenging, but maybe we just start with one or two, or maybe we start by making a note to ourselves, or maybe we start by calling someone up and saying, can you call me in 24 hours or text me and ask me if I've handled this? Or if we have a practice, if we have a gratitude practice at night or a meditation practice in the morning, it is a wonderful time to take a moment to review. You with me? Wait, did I forget? What's still sticking inside me, right? We take a lot of time to be physically clean and smell good, right? <clears throat> Most of us have pretty good physical hygiene, but when it comes to emotional or spiritual hygiene, right? Like, right? At the end of the day, is there anything a little sticky, right? Any emotions I didn't wash off, right? Or journal out or go for a jog, right? So <clears throat> I think what you're saying is right on, but it is a lifestyle over months and years that we actually can become masters at. We actually can become masters at it. So my encouragement is don't give up. <laughs> The most important relationship I'll ever have is with myself. Can you feel that? Can you feel that energy in the room? If you if you can 
isolate that in the moment with the compassion that they have an issue too. Then it doesn't center in here. It's not, it doesn't wound you. Yeah. You know, you're bringing up um, a really wonderful little nugget I heard on an audio recently from David Data. And he was saying that when you practice life the way we're talking about, however you define it, right, in terms of relationships as an opening to higher consciousness, that all of a sudden you're hyper aware of all of your own kinks, right? When you, when you start taking 100% responsibility for the energy you put out, and for the meaning you make, and for whether you stay in your center or not, you start realizing how much you leak, stuff you don't necessarily wanna leak. And for about five minutes, that's about as depressing as it gets. And then it's like, okay, I can do something about this. This is dependent on no one other than me and my higher power, right? And if you can look at life and relationship as a working out of your own kinks, and as you get unkinked, you have more and more space to work out others' kinks. And I don't mean that in a way where you take responsibility, but in a way where your energy and your light facilitates their healing, right? Simply in reflection, simply in the love that you give off. And that life and relationship becomes this art form of, of getting out our kinks and our bends and getting better at better at being able to hold space for others who are doing the same. And I thought, you know, that's really what love actually is. It's about this, a whole new perspective that we bring to bear on our participation of, oh, just got kinked. And maybe being able to laugh or, oh, telling your partner or your friend, I just got kinked, bad, but I'm coming back, you know? Or they just got kinked, right? And it's like, okay, I can flex and flow with this kink because it isn't just about what I deserve from you as my husband. It's about who I'm committed to being for you as a spiritual being. You with me? So really invite us to consider our, our lives and our relationships as art. And we are in this infinite process of working out our kinks and being a light and a space of love for those that are working out their kinks. And there's lots of permission, lots of permission to say no or to be like, oh, we are in kink hell. Let me take a breath and, you know, time out or whatever it is. All right, I wanna offer us four concepts about increasing relational agility and talk about those a little bit. Number one is cultivating perspective. Number two is building our inner container. <clears throat> Understanding levels or what I'm gonna call concentric circles. And lastly, practicing love at the level of consciousness and the level of form. So we're gonna dig into each one of those for a couple minutes. All right, cultivating perspective. So how we think. Perspective has to do with how broadly and how deeply we think. Instead of, for example, instead of problems as bad, unhealthy, or needing defense or protection, what if we looked at them as information, as signposts, as feedback? Right? So if there's a recurring problem in one of your relationships, we can label that unhealthy. We can look at societal standards and say, this is not okay. You better get your butt in therapy. Right? We can say, I'm, they must not love me enough. I must not be a good enough employee. Right? We can do all of these things that judge whatever's happening dualistically 
which if you recall from the earlier slide, makes us counterproductive, decreases resilience, and something else. So remember, but what if we looked at what is happening as information for what we need and what is being asked of us, for how we say yes and no? What if we looked at what is happening as an opportunity for growth? Mike. Problems happen for us, not to us. Problems happen for us because they reflect to us where we just went unconscious. Recently was, instead of saying, why me, say, try me. Instead of saying, why me, say, try me. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It opens up possibility, right? Yeah. Right. What does why me do? Makes you a martyr, right? Right. Okay. So if you think that you are stuck, if you think your job or partner or children are holding you back, if you think your history is stronger than your present, I want to invite you to really take this one home. That is an opportunity for growth, for you to be bigger and more open and more divinely guided than ever before. And what if we looked at these things as our ability to come together and participate in the larger whole to open ourselves that there just might be a reason this is happening that is actually important for all involved that this is not something happening to me by you or i'm going to make it happen but there's actually some a larger intelligence going on that's inviting a different kind of participation are you with me so i just want you each for a moment for anyone this resonates with, to ask yourself, am I the parent, the employee, the employer, the friend? Am I the friend that would call forward, that would magnetize, that would attract what it is I'm desiring? Because so often the energy we're putting out actually cuts us off from what we're desiring. Are you with me? Okay, that's a really powerful one there. When you say, am I the woman or am I the wife in this moment? And if we, if you are coming forward with the judgment, misunderstanding, or misidentification, that is going to create or manifest uh, disharmony. Exactly. Being in the question of what is this feedback, you know, what is this information for me? If the answer is not there, what is the practical uh, response or way of being in that moment when you're just trying to figure it out yeah and you're with that person or without them yeah but in that moment I, I find I can release the judgment but then I'm in the unknown and then I'm like now what yes <clears throat> this whole concept of waiting is severely underrated it is so underrated this and our muscles to wait are for most of us underdeveloped <laughs> because in the waiting god is working in the waiting the other is um things are occurring they might be thinking about it or there might be coincidences or they might do it again to someone else because they stayed unconscious so in the waiting beautiful things occur if we will allow ourselves to wait and it isn't just waiting it's standing at the edge of what we know 
and giving ourselves the opportunity to develop our spiritual senses. So it's like, okay, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that pattern. Yeah, I know I'm going to identify him this way. I know I'm going to look at that weakness in myself. It's like, okay, left of center, all that talk. And then I'm in a clear space for what I haven't yet discovered, for what I haven't yet learned, for divine guidance. And when I get the slightest nudge, the slightest little, well, maybe I'm not going to hammer it back down. (laughs) I'm actually going to go act on it. You with me? And if we will let ourselves follow, first, if we will let ourselves wait and be quiet and hone our spiritual senses, and then we will let ourselves mess up when we follow it and fumble and be beginners at living according to the unseen, then we are really playing a game then. I mean, like having fun, like like living it. Are you with me? Because you're surfing to a whole nother vibration that most people aren't even aware exists. But we got to develop that staying power to stay <laughs> in the waiting, open our thoughts, open our heart, open our bodies in terms of holding our breath, cl- clenching our gut, right? <laughs> open to something that is new and fresh and from within. And when you get that tiniest of hit, you follow it. <laughs> And the groove gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then pretty soon you know. And then you walk around and you're with those people that are so embodied. You're blown away. It's like, wow, you had that in that moment, right? And you can't even process it. It's so enlightened, right? Do you know what I'm talking about, these people? Right? Okay, let me. All right. Number two, building our inner container. It really hits home because in the weight is the power to actually come from love. But you can only do that in the way. You can't do that in the act. Yeah. It has to be in the way, and then it comes forward. So it's like you said, we have to build this muscle to be able to wait. Yeah. Like anything else. Yeah. And it and, and you're right because it can be the smallest little tweak. That was a weight. Yeah. That spread the love. Yeah. Or it can be this five minute wait. Let me go think about this and come back to you. Yeah. But it's all being developed at all times if you're conscious about it. And that's where the true love happens. That's right. That's just amazing. Amen, brother. If I had one of those squeakers from New Year's Eve, I'd I'd blow it to punctuate that. Okay. (laughs) Building our inner container. To the extent we are stuck or overwhelmed, to the extent we are stuck or overwhelmed, we will project, blame, or act out in order to fix, or depending on our personality, we will shut down, rationalize, or withdraw in order to keep the peace. To the extent that we are stuck or overwhelmed, remember relational rigidity. You can't hurt me anymore. You don't meet any of my needs. I gotta always be on the defense around you. To the extent I do not have an inner container to move feelings, to open up to divine guidance, to process whatever needs process and make hard choices. To the extent that I don't have that, I will act out or act in. You with me? Okay. To the extent we can move energy and release others every single moment. We will trust the divine in the process of life. We will have something to give that actually benefits everybody. Not just me, or not just you, or not just the kids, or whatever. 
and we will be able to look deeply at ourselves and others without personalizing. Just breathe that in for a moment. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> now, if if we were if we had more internal bandwidth to hear the divine or to move emotional energy out without it meaning something about us or to believe in people's inherent goodness and not get stuck in judgment, right? Would that give us more ability to move and flow and release other people? Absolutely, right? So that's where the work is. But that's not the question. See, what we do is we work over there. I just need this from you. If you would just call me six times a day, if you would just do this with the children, if you would just be this as an employer. The problem is not so much how do we get there. The problem is that we spend so much time out there because when we will turn it in here and wait, <laughs> right? To, now, <clears throat> this is also underrated, the capacity to open. Many of us will wait, but we will cycle in thoughts. Our body will stay constricted. <laughs> We can't really take a deep breath. We're not really open shining our light. We're not really open to, you know, I know that's all my ego. I know that's all my history. Talk to me, God, right? Or whatever, however you, nature, whatever it is for you. We, we don't really have that muscle of staying open. You with me? Yeah. Okay. That's right. Oh, you have to push through all those fears that they won't wait, that they're going to think you're a fool, that when you do get the divine guidance, you're like, woo-woo. The, the, the fears are everywhere. And yet, when we stick through them, they are drawn to us like fire because there is a power and a presence and a courage that is that we long for that we have so infrequently in our lives. Are you with me? circumstances and they describe it with the people who come into his office when somebody's in that situation where all you're getting is their story they can't listen there's no listening going on and you have to realize that and you have to be able to wait until authenticity shows up yeah and we all know intuitively when authenticity is present and then listening can occur until that point there is no listening yeah and, and in that moment, most of us will disconnect our hearts. And if we can stay connected with the heart, even if we have to say, I can't talk to you right now, or because sometimes there are things that are going on that are okay, but we stay connected with our heart. Because if we don't, if we take our heart away, the authenticity will not come. And that is why it is so important to develop this practice we're talking about, about going within, about taking 100% responsibility for your experience. Because until we get that we are divine, we will never see it out there. And all that does when we see the asshole, all it does is reflect our own limited self-perception. <laughs> Are you with me? So when we'll love our own dark and light, when we'll love our own divinity, when we'll take the judgments and the expectations and the agenda and all the things we have to be off ourselves is when we will see a change in how we view that other. So this conversation is so wonderful 
the, the questions are fantastic. The, the breaking down and breaking through how we normally do it is great. And I promise you, you do not need the answer. They're great questions, but you do not need the answer. Just opening to this energy, this curiosity, the answers are in you and it, it's actually different for everyone. You will find your art, you will find your flavor. So who can feel the life in the room? Okay, so don't let it go, take it home and apply it, live into that light and you will hear, you will open, you'll get a tickle, you'll get a idea. It, it isn't, I promise you, it's not the technique. It is this very vibration that we are in that opens up miracles because it'll just come, right? All right, let me go over, um, let me go over one more because I, I want to make sure to end on time. This one um, I absolutely love. Number four, practicing love as consciousness and form. Practicing love as consciousness and form. So I like to think of love as there's sort of these two wondrous, massive arms, if you will. And there is a way to love at the level of consciousness and thought and heart space. Where I love you. I'm connected to you. I am open to you. I regard you. You with me? It's unlimited. It's infinite. It's, it's the love of God that pours through you. It's the love of the universe that, that connects us all. And then there is a love in the physical that is like shit is going down tonight. Are you with me? <laughs> right? There is a no to be had, a conversation to be had, a line to be drawn, a way to open up, a place to be of service. And we don't usually marry these two kinds of love. We usually are spiritually woo woo and I'll love you and I'm boundaryless and you know, there's no grounding, right? You can feel it like a sense of lostness when you're with these people. And then there's love that's just physical, right? It isn't connected to any form of inspiration. It isn't connected to anything higher. It's, it's love by demand. It's love because I'm entitled or, or maybe it's love because I have to please you or I suck or you with me. So it's mirroring these two kinds of love, this cosmic, conscious, ever-present love that we believe in and opening to that space in our heart and opening to that space in our mind and letting it inspire and inform the choices we make in the physical that can be hard and tough and messy and full of dark and light. Does this make sense? Okay. So a couple ways to guide us here is to love with compassion. That means that we have grace for what we don't yet know or for what doesn't come automatically. Because when we have grace, it brings space. It helps the weight. And that's why Buddhists have a practice of infinite compassion. Because if I am infinitely compassionate, what kind of energy am I bringing to you? Even if I have a no to say, even if I have something to talk to you that's hard, if I have infinite compassion, what are you likely to feel from me? Love, right? It's like that conversation at the end. How might I fix this for you, right? I might not know why you're hurting. I might think you're ridiculous. But at the end of the day, if I'm compassionate that you're another human being, how might I respond to you? That's enough to make a lot of people just drop their anger right on the floor. Whoa, you want to help? Okay. 
Another practice in that wait, in that muscle we're talking about of waiting and opening is curiosity. Can we wonder what that person went through? Can we be interested in how hurt they must be to have done such and such? Can we open ourselves to a greater capacity that something's going on in the unseen we don't know, right? Mary O'Malley has almost an entire book on the beauty and miracle of curiosity and the power because it opens us, because we become fluid and agile when we want to wonder versus when we know why you did that and who you are and where you come from and how you better change it. You with me? Or how I better change it or whatever, whatever we use. And courage. Standing at the edge of our best thinking and being our best self in the hardest of moments. Because when we can call our best self forward and stand before somebody, it evokes their best self. Has anyone ever experienced this? When you have stand in the fire of vulnerability. Can I see by show of hands? Okay. That changes the vibration of your relationship. And if you do it enough, you hit critical mass where your relationship is made new. And that's what if that's what relationships are really about. Not all this stuff. 